Hello and welcome to Tricycle Talks. I'm James Shaheen, Editor-in-Chief of Tricycle The Buddhist Review. In this special series of episodes, I sit down with three contributors to the winter issue of the magazine out this month. Today, I'm joined by Zen teacher and writer Lou Richmond. Lou's article in the magazine, Food is Very Important, offers a Buddhist approach to disagreement based on a line he heard from his teacher, Suzuki Roshi. Lou and I discuss strategies for working with disagreement and conflict inspired by the example of Suzuki Roshi. I'm here with Buddhist writer and teacher Lou Richmond. Hey, Lou. Good to have you here. Nice to see you. Thank you. So you wrote an article in the winter issue called Food is Very Important, which is a line you heard your teacher, Shinru Suzuki, say. Can you give us the background here, the backstory, and when he said this and why? Well, this would have been between 1968 and 1969 at Tassajara. It was in the summertime, central California in the mountains. It's known as the first Zen monastery in America, founded by Suzuki Roshi in 1967. And we were part of the original group of students that was getting it off the ground and building it. And we were all pretty much young types, counterculture types, spiritual seekers, and very enthusiastic, very idealistic. And Suzuki Roshi was our teacher and very patient and accepting of us as young Americans. He loved the fact that we were interested in meditation and interested in Buddhist teaching. This article is about a conversation I happened to overhear between Suzuki Roshi and a student named Robert, who was in the parlance of the time a foodie. He was very supportive of brown rice and uh, that kind of diet, and was a real proselytizer. He thought that brown rice was the, the secret to everything, and that somehow it was connected with Zen and with enlightenment and all that. We had a lot of ideas like that in those days, all the <laughs> counterculture stuff. A lot of people had experience with psychedelics and everything. So he was uh, bending Suzuki Roshi's ear about brown rice and how wonderful brown rice was and trying to get Suzuki Roshi to agree that brown rice was an essential part of Zen practice, not realizing that in Japan, nobody ate brown rice and certainly not in the Zen <laughs> monasteries. Everybody ate white rice. And Suzuki Roshi, as is often the case, just listened as Robert went on and on about brown rice. And when there was a, a slight pause Suzuki Roshi quietly said, food is very important. And he turned around and walked away. So why did that line jump out at you? And what do you think he meant? Well, the article is really with the hindsight of 50 years, because I've had 50 years to digest and absorb the way Suzuki Roshi taught and the kind of person he was. He was very skillful at what he said. And... It stopped Robert Cole, which was very hard to do. He loved to talk, but he just didn't know what to say. Besides Suzuki Roshi had walked away. Anyway. <laughs> he walked away. Food <laughs> is very important. First of all, it's an incontrovertible statement. Nobody can disagree. Uh, least of all, Robert. Was he agreeing with Robert? What was he doing? It was one of those moments. 
And the title of the article, as I originally published it, was A Buddhist Approach to Disagreement. I wouldn't say they disagreed exactly, but Suzuki Roshi could have said a lot of things. He could have tried to explain about rice and Japan, and he could have been factual. He could have mansplained. He could have mansplained or (laughs) teacher-splained. He didn't do that. He just said something that hung in the air. So in the article, considering this anecdote, I came up with three qualities that I thought it expressed, which are, first of all, common ground, and then secondly, respect, and then what I call changing levels, which are qualities that I've teased out of my memory, not just of what he said, but the feeling of how he was. And I think the most important really is common ground. The extraordinary quality of Suzuki Roshi as a human being is that he met you where you were fully, sometimes without a word, sometimes with a bow, sometimes just by looking at you. And you had an uncanny sense that he totally felt who you were as a human being. And so by saying food is very important, he created a common ground in which He wasn't trying to be the teacher. He wasn't trying to be the wise person. He was just meeting this other human being on the ground of basic humanity. And he didn't say, I'm sure you would agree that food is very important because he doesn't know that Robert agrees upon. He just stated something that a statement that was big enough to include both of them. And I think this is a quality that comes from an engaged, meditative Buddhist life. You don't see it very often in today's world. Disagreements are loud and raucous and sometimes violent. Suzuki Roshi knew all about violence. He'd lived through the Second World War as a priest in Japan. He knew of the horrors of what human beings are capable of, and yet he stood in the center of things with this quality of meeting you. Mm -hmm. And it was extraordinary then, and it's extraordinary now. I haven't met that many people who can do that. You mentioned the three qualities or aspects, and the first you just described, common ground, and the second is respect. Could you say something about that? I suppose it goes with creating common ground. Well, it's similar, but... It would have been so easy for him to see this young, rather misinformed, maybe perhaps wild-eyed American as a kid, somebody you could tolerate or humor, but not necessarily respect. But one of the extraordinary qualities of Suzuki Roshi in general is he always treated all of us, all of us young guys and gals in their 20s, with enormous respect. He never talked down to us. I would say in his own words, he treated us like Buddhas. He saw us each Mm -hmm. as Buddha. And so that was so basic to his stance in the world that unless you step back and really took stock of what that was, you wouldn't see how extraordinary that was. He respected not what Robert was saying, 
or the truth or untruth of his ideas, but his Buddhahood. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean by respect. He respected the intrinsic Buddha nature of this person who stood before him. The third aspect you mentioned then after common ground and respect is changing levels. What do you mean by that? Well, up to the point of Suzuki Roshi saying something, it was not exactly an argument, but a case being made for a certain point of view or a certain belief system. And when Suzuki Roshi said food is very important, that meant something to him in Buddhist terms, and I'll go into that. In the monastery, we didn't just eat our food. It was an elaborate ritual in meditation posture with our eating bowls and a long series of chants, which basically expressed gratitude for all that went into producing the food. Part of the chant goes, 72 labors brought us this rice. We should know how it comes to us. That means when you eat the rice, you reflect on the fact of all the work that went into growing the rice, planting the rice, harvesting the rice, hauling the rice, packaging the rice, shipping the rice. And by extension, everything is like that. Everything that supports our human life is connected to everything else. So food is very important in a Buddhist sense, means food represents interconnection, or as uh, Thich Nhat Hanh would say, interbeing. So every time you eat something, you are, if you're fully awake of what you're doing, you're expressing connection with and gratitude for the world, for supporting your life. That was not the level Robert was talking on, but it's the level Suzuki Roshi was talking on because that was where he lived. That was his fundamental insight. He was using the topic of food to teach something much more profound, which is one of the basic teachings of the Buddha, is that everything is connected causally. There's nothing outside of the web of causation. So inside of that rather ordinary statement is a wealth of deep teaching. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. What if aging weren't something to be feared and avoided, but instead the culmination of our life's journey? Join Zen teacher Louis Richmond, an ordained disciple of Suzuki Roshi and author of Aging as a Spiritual Practice, for an online course exploring the possibilities for spiritual transformation within the aging process. The six-part course offers Dharma talks, guided meditations, at-home practices, and reflections designed to help you find greater ease, acceptance, and joy in growing older. Sign up now at learn.tricycle.org and use coupon code TRIPOD, that's all caps, T-R-I-P-O-D, for a $20 discount off enrollment. Now let's get back to our conversation with Lou Richmond. I want to go back to respect for a second because I was thinking of these three as you were talking and seeing the Buddha in another, I think that's where it's not so easy. None of this is easy when situations are fraught. And Suzuki Roshi was a very special person who clearly thought that we could learn this too. But respect, 
it's so lacking because when you disagree with someone, and I'm not even talking about political disputes, I'm talking about domestic disputes even. Anything, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at the other person and what you're seeing is opposition or tension or defiance or rejection. How do you teach coming around to having that respect for others? Well, I'll just say that Suzuki Roshi simply taught it by example. Mm-hmm. He didn't actually teach it in so many words. He didn't say, okay, people, here's lesson number three in how to respect other people. He just respected other people. He lived it. Those of us who knew him well, every one of his interactions expressed that. It was just who he was. It's frankly, in the present day world, after 50 years, pretty mysterious how somebody can train and live and come to that and live it completely. Such people are very rare, and I think they're becoming rarer. We're living in an ocean of disrespect now uh, worldwide, and we desperately need people not who preach respect or admonish respect, but who are respect, just in who they are as people. Suzuki Roshi died when I was pretty young. He died after only a few years being with him, but I still cherish those years because they showed me that at least in him and a very few other people I've met, the possibility of being a deeply loving, respectful human being is there as a potential for everyone, and maybe in some way it can come back. Do you think of these three aspects often in your own life when you're at odds with someone or trying to resolve a dispute? I don't think about it. In fact, I didn't actually come up with these three aspects until I wrote this article and tried to articulate what I felt intuitively witnessing the interchange. But I do think that my lifetime of Buddhist meditation, sitting in silence with other people, and having the example of Suzuki Roshi and some of my other teachers means that at the very least, I aspire to listen before I speak. I was just about to go there because you point out that Suzuki Roshi listened patiently. He didn't interrupt him. And you talk about the power of listening rather than rushing to speak, something I think we can all benefit from. Certainly I could. Well, I'm a talker by nature. I was marked down in a second grade for talking, <laughs> talking out of turn. You know, I can, I'm like Robert, I can talk a blue street. And so it's not my natural character to wait or listen, but I've always tried to do that because it, it's the truth of things and it's also works. Occasionally I've confronted people who've been very angry, who are shouting and they don't realize it, but they're expecting and anticipating that you too will be angry and you too will shout and they're ready to put their dukes up and fight with you. And if you don't respond that way, if you just listen and absorb what's going on, many times, I wouldn't say all the time, many times it diffuses the situation enormously. I remember there was a political rally of some kind and some people decided to bring a golden retriever to the rally. And rather than confronting the people as protesters, they just had the dog there. And 
a lot of these people who were very raucous and yelling stopped. They liked dogs. Everybody likes dogs. And they petted the golden retriever and asked him what his name was. And, you know, it changed the level. That was an example of a level change. The presence of a dog in a disagreement changes the level because dogs don't talk and they're very absorptive. And so I think that I do think this is a Buddhist approach to disagreement. That's why I called it that in the title. I think we use that as the subtitle. I think the title is Food is Very Important, a Buddhist Approach to Disagreements, what, what, however, however you put it. Well, I like um, that better, actually. I was going to do that, but then in the blog post where I'm writing, I thought they'd think it was an article about food. So, Right, right. In Tricycle, they know it's not just about <laughs> food, so that's right. good. We have had people think it's a magazine about toys, but usually we're disabused of that once they open it. Right, right. You mentioned writing, and you have a new writing project. Could you say something briefly about that? Well, I was invited to be a weekly columnist on a website called The Good Men Project, which is a big website. They have about 2 million readers a day. Mm -hmm. And it was started as a way to help men be kinder, gentler, better men, not so aggressive. And it's expanded. I talked to the publisher, and actually the majority of the readers now are women. Oh, I guess they're tuning in to see what men what are all about. <laughs> <laughs> but they're allowing me to pretty much write about anything. I try to often put in something about issues regarding men. Just published one called, sometimes they're provocative, called, Was Buddha a Deadbeat Dad? <laughs> and, <Sort of. laughs> uh, <laughs> and my answer is, no, he wasn't a deadbeat dad. He, he was a prince, and I'm sure his family that he abandoned were very well taken care of. He did not send his child support checks, but he did <laughs> leave his family. So I make the connection to men who don't take care of their family, the importance of being a loving father. So I take my Buddhist background and I try to apply it. And it's not just about men anymore. They're a progressive website that deals with a lot of social issues, politics, relationships, a lot about relationships, and also my specialty of aging. There's about 25% of the readership that's over 55. So it gives me an opportunity to, I would never have written an article about a Buddha as a deadbeat dad in my conventional Buddhist writing persona. It right. gives me an opportunity to stretch myself a little bit. Yeah, sounds like fun. So I've got one last question for you. As Thanksgiving approaches and people may be preparing for family gatherings now that people are traveling again, do you have any advice for our listeners on how to navigate the Thanksgiving dinner table? I think what you write is applicable. So, Well, I actually, at the end of the article, talk about domestic conflict. I think that Thanksgiving is often a time, it's kind of a stereotype of the drunken uncle or the political arguments and so forth. The only thing that connects you is you have in common is you're all related. <laughs> but Thanksgiving is, in the end, a feast about gratitude. That's why it's called Thanksgiving. And maybe if people concentrate more on the spirit of food as, in a small way, our Thanksgiving holiday is like 72 labors brought us this rice. And if they focus more on that rather than arguments, and also, I think, doing their best when things get hot and heavy, just to listen and remember that 
underneath all the rhetoric and all the polemic, you're looking at a Buddha. Well, thanks so much, Lou. Again, Lou's article is called Food is Very Important, and you can read it in the winter issue of the magazine. And in a few moments, I'll tell you how to find Lou's writing online. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Lewis Richmond on Tricycle Talks. You can read his article, as well as the rest of the winter issue, at tricycle.org magazine. Be sure to check out his recent writing at lewisrichmond.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the podcast. Write us at feedback at tricycle.org to let us know what you think. Tricycle Talks is produced by As It Should Be and Sarah Fleming. I'm James Shaheen, Editor-in-Chief of Tricycle The Buddhist Review. Thanks for listening.